Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Shall we rise to read a scripture this morning, Isaiah 53? And we'll read the New King James Version. Uh, uh, Isaiah 53, we'll read the first 12 verses. So how is going to go? I'll read uh, verse 1, you follow the second verse, and then we'll just alternate. Okay, Isaiah 53, the New King James Version. So I will begin. Have we found it? It's on the screen as well. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Your turn. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his tribes we are healed. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was laid as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers in silence, so he opened not his mouth. Verse 9. And they met his grave with the wicked, but with a reach at, the, at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Let's read together the final verse. Let's read everybody together. Want to go? Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the poor with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for their transgressions. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the grace and power in your word. We know that where the word of a king is, there is power. May your word come alive this morning. May your word be true forever, O oh God. I offer myself as a vessel this morning. Use me, Lord, for your glory. And in your name we pray. Amen. The whole house say amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you. 
I'm going to leave the scripture. We'll come back to it in just a moment. I want to begin with another scripture. And that's Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Verse 31, Then God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And God saw everything that he made. He looked at everything from the first to the last. And he testified that they were very good. And God's very good is more than excellent for us. They were very good. The scripture testifies of the glory attached to the creations of God from the beginning. No wonder why the psalmist had to declare, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Because he had looked at himself, he had looked at the creations of God, and he had to testify of the truth that God is worthy of our praise. God is an absolute creative being. The ends of the earth, everything he created testifies of his glory, testifies of his majesty, testifies of his beauty. For those who travel, you look at the landscapes and you look at the beauties of the, of the valleys and the things that God has made in different parts of the earth. The fish in the sea, in billions of them. The water, the ocean, the ground, everything. There is beauty in everything that God created. Wonderful things everywhere. Now I know some of you may be wondering, you know, the scripture, when you compare it to certain things, you might be like, uh, how does this actually compare? You know, some animals don't look that beautiful. Uh, you know, we talk about chimpanzee, but there are worse animals. Um, I don't know if you've seen the uh, blobfish. The animal is not fine at all. Or the anglerfish, or even the giant isopod. But I have to think that they use some of those animals as inspiration for alien movies. They don't look nice at all. But the truth is this, God created them all and called them beautiful. And even sometimes in human beings, you might look at something and I'm like, ah, oh, this person is not that fantastic. Now, this is not the right time to check out your neighbor. <laughs> Don't worry, they won't beat you. This is church. You can look at them. I have divine muscles this morning. <laughs> so I can guarantee your safety here. But hey, I can guarantee what happens after church. So tread with carefully. So everything God made is beautiful. Everything God made is wonderful. Everything God made is absolutely lovely. Say to your neighbor, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, you can say better. Say you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But from the beginning of times, 
the creations of God, things started falling apart. From the beginning of times, a whole lot of things started happening. The scripture we read in Genesis chapter 1 says the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And then at the Garden of Eden, man fell in a horrible way. Lost his place with God. And it has been a series of low estates, series of trouble, series of hardships all over the world as a result of a fall of man. In fact, some have said that God has just created everything and then left us to perish. Some have even claimed that God has abandoned the earth. If there is a God, where are there so many sicknesses? Why is it that a child who is born innocent comes out with a disease that is incurable? If there is a God, why is there so much happening on earth? So quite a lot is going on. And then it's been no wonder what is going on. The Bible says, but from the beginning, it was not so. He created all things beautiful. He made all things wonderful. But things that are changing. The good news is that we see this God. He often steps in to redeem situations. He often steps in in order to save man or save the world from trouble. We see God timeless time stepping in, coming into the picture in order to save us from what we are. The scripture we read earlier in Isaiah 53, Isaiah began to testify and said, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed our message? Yes, the world is in trouble, but who has believed our reports? And when you read the entire chapter, one thing is concluded. He's arriving at one point. God is a redeemer. Who has believed our report? That God is a savior. Psalm 3 testifies saying salvation belongs to God. Who has believed our report that there is a Savior sent for us? And verse 10 of that Isaiah chapter 53. It was the Lord's good plan to crush him. I'm reading the NLT version now. It was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cut and cause him grief. Yet, when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. Look at verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgression, speaking about a redeemer. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. There is a report of the Lord this morning that we have a redeemer. There is a report this morning that in the midst of chaos, there is a God who saves. In the midst of the troubles, in the midst of the calamities, in the midst of the illnesses, there is a God who listens. This God has not changed. 
Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did many years ago, he is still doing today. God has not abandoned his people. He is still at work. And if you've been around Pastor Moore for a long time, there is one statement you will hear him make quite often. And that is that the most important thing in the heart of God is redemption. That is the most critical thing in the heart of God. And from the beginning of times, he has proven over and over again that redemption is important to him. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Why? To redeem the earth. To redeem mankind. He gave up everything he had. He didn't hold back. And he's been participating in our worship service in the past few weeks. One truth is certain. This word redemption, you must have heard it several times. But I consider today's charge a continuation from last Sunday's word. Redemption. Say to your neighbor, you have a redeemer. You have a redeemer. What is redemption? To redeem means to save. To set free by the price by the payment of a price it means that a person is released from captivity a person is set free from that which a price they're supposed to pay redemption that is in the mind of God and that word was first used in Exodus 6 verse 6 when the scripture was describing the people of Israel how they got into captivity in Egypt and were there for nearly 400 years And God redeemed them. God became their redeemer. Saved them from the powers of Egypt. Redemption is anchored in love. Without love, there is no such thing as redemption. It is love that is the driving force. It is love that is moving, persuading God to do what he's doing. In Romans 5 verse 8. Romans 5 verse 8. The Bible says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us. In the while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die when we are believers. He didn't die because we already love him. No. He said, While we were yet sinners, a Savior gave it up all. He's so rich in love that he purchased our freedom through the blood of his only son. He paid the ultimate price that we might receive life. Of all the names of God, one name that is absolutely important is the name Redeemer. God is our Redeemer. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Ephesians 1 verse 7. It says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. In Him we have redemption. And it wasn't a free redemption. It was through the price of His blood. In Galatians 3 verse 13, the Apostle Paul said, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. The law has a curse attached to it. 
So everyone who is not in Christ has a curse following them. Even when they seem successful on earth, there's a curse that follows anyone that is abiding under the law and it is Christ that lifts that curse from man. From to title today's word, I will call it leave again. Leave again. Now there are different dimensions of redemption and I'm going to talk about a few of them I'm going to pray in between. The first dimension is the dimension of the spirit of man, the redemption of the spirit of man. We already know that man is a spirit, has a soul, and lives in a body. Man is a spirit, primarily has a soul, inhabits in a body. The spirit of man is the core of who the person is. Let's read John chapter 3. John chapter 3 verse 1. Redemption of the spirit of man. John chapter 3 from verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can one be born again when he is old? Can he enter for the second time into his mother's womb and be born? This is a conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, one of the leaders in Israel. He was a ruler of the law. So he understood the law very well. He was not, he was not, he was not uh, someone who doesn't, he read the book. He understood the entire law. So when he saw what Jesus was doing, he had to sneak in the night because he had a lot of reputation. And began this conversation. There are a few things we pick up here. Number one, religion cannot redeem us. That's the first thing Jesus made clear to him. Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. These guys kept the law. He was also a ruler of the Jews. So he was highly, has a high reputation. In all of that, religion could not save him. Second, good works cannot redeem us. Good works is not enough just because a person is absolutely living right. Without faith in God, Redemption is impossible. Redemption only comes through Jesus Christ. Another point that Jesus made clear is that the road to redemption is him. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It is a spirit that activates. If you read further down, it says, what that which is born of the spirit is spirit, and that which is born of the flesh is flesh. To be in redemption, to be born again, it is the spirit that activates. Scripture says in John 6, 63, it is a spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. So it's a spirit that brings alive. 
Being born again is the first step in the stages of redemption. I don't want to assume that everybody at the sound of my voice is born again. If you're not, you have an opportunity this morning to be the Savior. Last Sunday we had a call. Today I'm getting the urge to, pray, to, to do the same call again. If you are not yet a Christian, it is important that you begin. It is not enough to be in church. I remember growing up, I mean, I was born in church. My pastor was a strict person. You must go to church whether you like it or not. But I remember that I had serious anger in me. And I know for certain that I was going to church and it meant nothing to me until one faithful Easter period. Some way, somehow, God broke in into my heart. And the redemption happened at that time. And I will never forget the change that happened instantly. It is not about coming to church. It's about giving yourself wholly to the Lord. This morning, I want us to bow our heads this morning before we continue. Is there someone who you've not given yourself to the Lord yet? Or you're not even sure if God is your Lord and Savior. It might be that you're connected online. You have an opportunity this morning. We have today. Tomorrow is not promised. All you need to do is say, Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I cannot save myself. Thank you for dying on the cross to redeem me, for paying the price for my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. I open my heart. I open my life to you. Lord, let there be redemption this morning. And if you know someone who is not born again, I believe everyone in this room does know one person. I want you to pray for that person specifically now. Just take a minute and pray for them. You can call their name and say, Lord, save my friend. Lord, redeem my friend. Save their soul. Let them come to the knowledge of truth. Let every veil covering their eyes be removed. Pray that prayer this morning. Pray that prayer this morning is in the heart of God to redeem man. And if a soul can be saved, the angels in heaven rise up and stand to welcome that soul. Holy Spirit, we ask, have your way this morning. Have your way this morning, Lord. Oh God, you are my God. And I will ever praise you. Choir. Oh Lord, you are my God. And I will ever praise you. Let's sing that together. Oh God, you are. Oh God, you are my God. And I will ever praise you. Oh God, you are my God. Oh God, you are my 
decision this morning, I want to pray with you. Oh, eyes closed. Just place your hand on your chest this morning. Father, thank you for salvation. Thank you for the power of redemption. Lord of glory, your people, oh God. For everyone who has made this decision this morning, oh God, to stick with you. Everyone who has placed their allegiance to you, Father, receive all spirit, oh God. Transform every heart. Let there be a proof, Lord of glory, that your people, that is the, that the experience has happened, oh God. Lord, let there be a proof, oh God, a proof in every heart, a proof in every heart. In the name of Jesus, be glorified and honored now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, hallelujah, amen. Thank you. And then the second dimension of redemption is a redemption of the soul of man. So man is a spirit. Man has a soul. And man lives in a body. The Bible says in Galatians 5 verse 1, it says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We were not set free to be in bondage. We are set free to be free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I'm going to talk about, I'm going to go through three scriptures and I want you to follow me quickly in three, these three scriptures that are all from Psalm. First scripture is in Psalm 46 verse 4. Psalm 46 verse 4. It says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. There is a river. A provision has been made. And it's a stream. And this stream has, it's a river. And this river has streams. And these streams flow into the city of God. As a Christian, you are a city of God. And the church of God is also a city of God. There is a river. Make provision for this. Next scripture, Psalm 36 verse 8. Psalm 36 verse 8, it says, They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. They are abundantly satisfied. Remember, there is a provision of a river. And from that river, they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your grace. Next scripture is Psalm 92 verse 12. Psalm 92 verse 12, it says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. I want us to connect these three scriptures together. It's basically saying that God has made a provision for man. 
a river has been released. There is a river that is constantly flowing. And this river breaks apart into streams. And the water of this river is designed to ensure that man is satisfied. Those who have been born again. In, in Psalm, 50, uh, Psalm 92, it says that those who are in the courts of God, in other words, the channels that are open to God will flourish. The channels that have released themselves to God, souls that are open to God will release, will receive the flow from this river. They are abundantly satisfied as they key in to the water from this river. The problem is dryness exists when a person stays away from the stream. And a righteous shall flourish. Every righteous person is supposed to flourish when they are connected to the water from this river. Every righteous person is supposed to receive life because the provision has been made for it. And they shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish. There is a river that flows. There is a river that is in constant flow. And this river was not designed just to waste. It was designed that every member of the house of God, every city of God will never be dry. I'm talking about redemption of the soul of man. The soul does not get born again, but it gets renewed as the river flows. As the Spirit of God continues to work in man, there is a redemption that happens. There is a redemption. There is a move of God. Something happens. It is when this river is not flowing, a few things start happening. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the apostle Paul wrote to Timothy saying to him, God has not given us a spirit of fear, of power, but of power, of love and of sound mind. When the river is not flowing, these things begin to dry out. Fear begins to creep in. Sound mind begins to disappear. The power to love begins to go away. But with the river flowing, these things become abundant in the person's life. In Isaiah chapter 44 verse 3, it says, For I pour water on him who is thirsty, and the floods on dry ground. I pour my spirit on your descendants, and my blessing on your offspring. There is a flow of river, and those who are thirsty will drink of it. This morning I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, Are you thirsty to drink from this river? Are you thirsty to gain from that which is flowing? There may be someone here who is struggling with prayerlessness. It can be revived this morning. Because the river is flowing. Or maybe you're struggling with a sudden addiction or a sin. It can go away by the power of the flowing river. Or maybe you're trying and sometimes you're trying, trying hard, trying hard. In fact, sometimes when you, the harder you try, the more you fail of your own. 
It is a river that brings alive. It's the river that causes a person to flourish. Or maybe you're in a state of depression. Remember, the soul of man is a seat of all decisions. That's where everything happens. That's where depression happens. That's where everything happens. Confusions, everything happens. And he's saying that in that state, if you're in that state, there is a river that is flowing. So many things are happening because we are avoiding the river sometimes. But he's saying, come to the river. If you're thirsty, come to the river and you'll receive the water of life. If anyone thirsts, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I want us to pray this morning. In what way do you need this river to flow this morning? In what way do you want this river to be activated in your life? It might be that you have some level of water, but you can be full this morning. You can be full this morning. God is inviting everyone at the sound of my voice. There is a river that makes glad the city of God. There is a river made provision for mankind. I wanted to begin to pray this morning. Say, Lord, I am thirsty for water. Lord, I am thirsty for water. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.